I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by Ewan Bradley, a highly experienced program leader across both private and public sector organizations. Let me introduce you to him now. Hi, Ewan. Uh, great that you could join us today. Um, most of your career has been working in either the public sector or publicly owned utilities, which we can explore further over the next 30 minutes or so, I'm sure. But whilst introducing yourself, uh, can you answer this, this question? How and, and why did you get involved in programme change delivery roles? Well, I, I think, um, first of all, very, very kind of you to, to invite me onto this podcast, Tony. Um, I've listened to some of the other ones and they've been great. Um, for my part, um, you, know, you know, a brief background on me is I, I spent 17 odd years in a software engineering company uh, doing every role possible, to be honest, which gave me great grounding for, for what I moved on to, which is more in the transformation space. Um, I, I have to say I'm a bit of a, a guy who, who just goes uh, with the flow, so to speak. So my, my career has been a bit like that, as opposed to by, to be by design. Um, I uh, you know left the, the software company and, and moved into a contracting role in the energy sector, which which I did for a few years. Um, an opportunity came to to work for a, another uh, systems integrator for a while, um, and you know I went through a, a contract termination with a client and ended up being chupied. Uh, into uh, a water utility, uh, uh, many would say kicking and screaming. Um, but uh, you know, I, I stayed there in, in, in a transformation role for for nine years. Um, I suppose honing my craft in many ways, and, and then since that, I've moved into um, you know back into contracting in in, in the public sector space in in the UK, uh, primarily dealing with um, back office uh, replacements. Uh, with with new cloud-based technologies right. and the associated transformation that goes with that. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. I think mo most people's uh, response to that question is very similar. Uh, that almost like it wasn't a it wasn't a formal decision. It was more we fell into it by almost by accident and then enjoyed it. When you moved into to the project space, um, what was it that you particularly enjoyed? Um, I mean, I think I think my button is just to bring bring value to organisations. You know, and I can see that I can get in uh, to an organisation quite quickly, see what the issues are, and and you know help define strategies to to address those. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, but I'm also very keen to to I suppose get into detail and see it through. Uh, it's all, all all very well coming up with a a grand strategy, but if the execution's not there, then 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 what's the point? Yeah, so it's the end to end piece that you. Yes. So how do you define transformation then? Uh, I mean, I, I think for me, uh, it boils down to to the, the current state of an organisation, um, uh, which obviously has identified issues, whether they be issues uh, in terms of customer. Uh, you know, unforeseen issues like COVID, for example, yeah. um, or, or threat from 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 competitors. So th there there are some or, or one or more defining issues that that generate a strong case for change. Um, and you know, you know, once that's there for me, it is 
okay, you've got your case for change. What do you need to do now to, to transform the organization into what it needs to become to be successful? Yeah. And, and of the programs that you've been involved in, is there some, are there some commonalities of the type of, of those transformations? What was the catalyst for the, for the transformations that you've been working on? Um, I mean, uh, uh, over the last, uh, I suppose, five, six years, there, there has been commonality in, in that, um, you know, the, the public sector organisations I've worked for have found themselves in a position where um, they're on really old technology uh, that have been heavily customised for, for processes that are just no longer fit for purpose. Uh, and, and, and continuing down that customization road is, is, is just too expensive. Yeah. Um, so it, in those cases, that there, you know, there's a very clear need to say, well, actually, we need to relook at this from scratch. Um, and I think that that uh, has been helped very much by the introduction of new cloud-based technology yeah. um, because it does you know, it facilitate that move um, and, and helps organizations make that decision as opposed to potentially looking at a, a huge on-premise replacement program at, at, at extremely high cost. Yeah. So I think that the, the advances in technology um, coupled with um, the fact that these organizations are really suffering uh, has created nearly a perfect storm in some respects. And you know, I, I work primarily in, in, in government in recent years and you can see that, you can see an awful lot of these organizations are, are following the same path. It's great for me because if I move from one to the other and bring on for the lessons I learned um, uh, with me. Absolutely. I think it's interesting. The, um, the A lot of organisations I've worked with over probably the last six or seven years have been exactly the same, um, where, where there's been a technology uh, bias to the programme, um, in so much that they are transitioning from, as you say, um, on-premise systems that have been customised to the ilt and, and customized customizations on top of customizations and and um, actually has been almost like a straitjacket for the organization in, the, in terms of the ability to be agile and adapt to new changes and in, in, in ways of working and the transition into uh, as you say a more sort of vanilla cloud-based solution um, is as you know the business case for it has been very clearly been able to demonstrate but the challenge has always been um, getting people to change and that is the that is generally the issue isn't it and how, how have you found that within within the public sector organizations that you've you've been working with that that sort of that they've worked with a the process they've lived with the process they know the systems but actually moving into something that is more sort of vanilla means that those sort of processes need to needed to be radically changed and and you know by definition the people needed to radically change the way of working yeah i i think it breaks into two camps really i mean there is a camp that says we like our processes there's nothing wrong and and, and what they tend to end up doing is putting in new technology but just re-implementing the same inefficient processes Absolutely. and that, that's the danger with these things um in some cases that's down to a, a, an appetite for change and how much change you do at the one time because introducing a new technology for many people uh, is a big change in itself, particularly if they've been using the same technology for 20, 25 years. Yeah. A lot of organizations tend to say, well, let's get the technology in and then we'll address the process, which is fine. Um, on the other hand, you do, and I have seen um, people sort of look at this new technology, look at the out of the box 
best-in-class processes that are available and what they can do. And, I, you know, I remember at one client in particular, there were like audible gasps of, of astonishment that, wow, the technology can actually do this and how much easier will my, my job be as a result of that? And, and they're the nuggets, they're the people that you need to, to, to get on your team and, and I'll help drive the change throughout the organisation. Totally. Yeah, and, and it's also identifying those and getting them involved in, in letting them become the change agents for, for, yes. for the programme, isn't it? And, uh, and equally identifying those that are maybe not so uh, positive about it and, and, and working on them very early on in, in, in hopefully turning them around. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, there, there's definitely a, a fear factor there. Transformation in a lot of people's eyes is, I'm going to lose my job or my job is a threat. And, and that's the thing that you have to very, very quickly uh, address with them yeah. to say, yes, you know, your job might change, but it's still a job and we will provide you with all the, the necessary training to make sure you can do it to, to the best of your ability. Uh, some of that is, to be fair, is technology based. But in a lot of cases, I find that th there is basic training that is required. Things like, and I should really say this in some ways, you know, but um, people working in procurement who don't understand what a purchase order is. Yeah. Uh, or, or people who who are spending money that don't understand that you need a contract in place to allow you to spend, you know, and that's historic to to be fair. But that's the type of things that that um, you unearth when you get into these types of transformation programs. Yeah, I, I think the uh, it's interesting. I remember uh, years back now, I was putting a new uh, works and asset management system into a, a rail company. Part of the issue was getting data back, uh, and um, one of the one of the major challenges was a lot of the data wasn't in systems, it was on paper. And even, even though it was on paper, in many cases it had been changed and adapted so it was in people's heads. So we, we had to go out and work with the individuals to extract that knowledge that's been built up over many years to get it into a data form to then populate the system so that we could improve the, yeah. improve the processes. What, what you're just saying there around that th those uh, the, those people that had been working in the industry or working in the organisation for so long had built up almost this this individual ways of working, and they were they were circumnavigating the systems uh, in in many many ways, and and understanding that and bringing that to the fore, you needed to do that before you could ever really put the system in. So, yeah. Otherwise, the system would never work. And uh, sounds like you've had similar experiences. No, very much so. You I mean, in many ways, the, the, the technology is the easy part. It's all about the culture, the ways of working, you know, the outdated policies and, and processes that are in place and, and, and trying to, to break those down and, and get people to understand actually there is a better way. And yes, I appreciate you've been doing it like this for 20 years, but trust me. And, and you know, some of these new technology solutions are great because you can see that solution pretty much straight away, you know, yeah. within... Uh, five, six weeks, we can provide demonstrations of that with their own data, which is a very powerful means to say, well, actually, this is your data, and, and this is a process for claiming an expense, for example. What's wrong with it? Will it work for your organization? And, and you, you sort of go through that and in your head have a, a like an overriding design concept of out of the box is, is the way we go, and unless it's a regulatory or or a legal reason for, for it not to be, because all organizations are different, then stick with what's there. Because the likes of, of, of Workday and Oracle and whatever, I've spent 
millions and millions of pounds uh, fine-tuning their products uh, to be best in class uh, and, and th those products need to be exploited. Um, yes, there is a degree of, of configuration or, or, or customization that needs to be done, but at the end of the day, HR processes are HR processes, finance processes are finance processes. It's not, it's not difficult. I agree. And uh, I, I spend many times and many, many, many experiences with, with clients explain that when, when you break an organization down, irrespective of what sector they're in, where they're located in the world, what they physically do, whether they're B2C or B2B, basically all organizations are the same. There's a finance function, there's an HR function, there's an IT function, there's a customer service function, etc., etc. And when you break those individual parts down, the processes beneath them should be relatively consistent and common. Or yeah. can be, not should not necessarily should be, can be. And that's yeah. what these new, new cloud-based technologies are based upon. So there needs to be a very strong argument to say, we know better than they do. Um, and and, you, and you, all, you always hear, don't you, well, but we're different. We're this yeah. industry, we're that industry, and this, it won't work in this industry. And it's just keep pushing back, isn't it, and challenging that preconceived idea that you are different, because in many cases, you're not. No, no, I agree, and, and particularly in, 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 let's say, public sector where I work, there, there's been a lot of work around this sort of one civil service concept to, to say, well, here's a standardized set of HR and finance processes that ought to work for all departments, and, and the common uh, objection is, no, no, but we're different. And, you know, there may be differences. Some organizations, uh, departments are, are policy-generating departments, some are funding, sending money out. Um, but if you break it down to its core, the processes um, ought, ought to be very, very similar. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would support that that move to standardization. Um, you know, I'm not saying that every single civil servant should be on the same platform running all of the same processes, but there, there's certainly merit in, in looking at some sort of shared service type approach or, or, or whatever. And, you know, and indeed there is work ongoing at the minute around that, um, which uh, is, is proving very interesting. I live in Lancashire and um, probably within 45 minutes of where I am, uh, a radius of 45 minutes, there's the Cumbria Police Force, there's the Lancashire Police Force, the Greater Manchester, Cheshire and Merseyside. So five separate organisations within, you know, as you say, a a relatively small geographical area but because of the population you know that that's the rationale for having five separate organizations but each one of those and uh, certainly the last time i looked it may may, it may have changed because uh, it was a good few years ago uh, but each of those had a separate hr function separate training function or separate it function so much duplication and the question has always been why why does why is that required why can't you as you say put in some shared services on a geographical basis or, or, or however, however you want to work it. Um, but there's always been pushback. I, I don't necessarily think it's it's a public sector issue. I think it's generally, there's always this pushback that we know better, we're different, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, um, all those, those sort of preconceived ideas just need to be broken down. Yeah, I mean, I mean a lot of it boils down to power and control. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm in charge of this organisation. I don't need you um, providing any services. I'm in control of my own destiny. Well, yeah. I have to say, I've, I've literally just started uh, work with a, a blue light 
um, service in, in, in Northern Ireland. And, and it's very encouraging to see that, that there is um, quite a lot of um, cooperation between you know, the ambulance service and the, and the fire service, you know, in terms of shared office space, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Certainly not platforms because they are, they are in this case very different in terms of what they're trying to do. But um, at least there's there's a degree of, of commonality to try and um, reduce the costs to, to to the general public at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's, it's I don't necessarily think it's an, uh, a, should be a cost-driven exercise although by definition you would hope that you'll be able to, to to take some cost out of the process but i think there's a consistency message um so when they move into a new organization it, it the, the the induction process is that much easier because they know what what they've got to do to raise expenses or they, they know what to do if they want to book a holiday and stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah there's all those knock-on effects of just making it easier for people to work with you no, no, I agree. I agree. And, and, and to be fair to, to the government in, in defining these standard services and, and processes, that's what they're aiming to to, to do is, is just trying to play that out into the individual uh, departments is, yeah, is where the challenge true. lies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so in terms of your career uh, and, and the various programmes you've been, been involved in, what, what's been the most interesting one for you? That's a good, very good question. I think my time in in a in the water utility um, was extremely interesting because I ended up in a position of of managing a a very large organisational wide program that that brought me into to areas that I knew absolutely nothing about water treatment, wastewater treatment, the the, the use of electricity in the, in those processes this particular utility had actually built up something like 32 million pounds a year and you and you just say oh my god uh, what are you supposed to yeah. other areas where you know there was real challenges from from a, a hr perspective so it, it was very broad um you know and and gave me extremely valuable uh, experience as a result of that and and obviously the the program itself proved to be successful in in, in driving operational efficiency and, and improving customer satisfaction scores so I can take you know some satisfaction from that yeah um, I suppose more recently the, the work I've done in in, in, in in public sector has also been very exciting for me because it's the, the first project I worked on at the office for students was the first deployment of workday ERP in public sector. Uh, and since then, they've gone on from from strength to strength on on the back of that. So it was a real, I, I suppose, a real challenging project from a stakeholder perspective to 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 convince them to invest in something that was brand new, yeah. uh, as opposed to going with with um with with the more traditional. Uh, but once once that was done, you know, and I was very lucky to have a, a an extremely passionate head of finance who who really drove that uh, program forward once the decision was made. It, it was a a very challenging um, transformation, and particularly in terms of timelines, etc. And, and the fact that there was a lot of organisational change going on at the same time, um, but ultimately very, very successful. Yeah. So a lot of satisfaction can be derived from that. And, and just going back to the, the the early one where you were saying you you know you you, you were looking at a transformation across the whole organisation in the water industry. Um, Presumably, at that stage, you had multiple stakeholders um, looking after the different, uh, maybe water treatment, water uh, replenishment, yep. etc. Um, 
how did how did you what you know what approach did you did you put in place to ensure that you were taking all of those stakeholders on the journey and uh, you know, how did you manage to take them on that journey and manage the you know, some people will have been for it some people might have been against it um, you know how did you manage all of that um, with great difficulty <laughs> I, I mean I, I think in, in, in that particular instance um, I suppose what helps is you, you have a, a regulator driving the company to achieve yeah. Better results. Um, and, that was your cliff you know, edge. That was just, as you say, you know, yes. that's your burning platform almost. Your yeah. Cliff. And I, I worked in a business transformation department whose sole purpose was to, well, how can we make this happen? Right. Uh, you know, in terms of operational efficiencies and, and customer satisfaction. We worked extremely hard through through many many workshops with all of the key stakeholders, both internal and external, to to define what was called the Achieving Customer Excellence Programme. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was was, was on a one-to-one -one basis with an individual's directors to, to clearly lay out you know, what it meant for them, uh, what they were signing up to. Got down to a level of detail that, that might have said, well, we're going to reduce your budget in this area because of the efficiencies in, in spending with contractors or or a, you know, a, a reduction in headcount, et cetera. So it, it, it got down to a level of detail where directors had to know exactly what was happening because they were signing off budget reductions on a year-on-year -year basis. CEO was was relatively new and, and, and a very keen supporter of, of the programme. Um, but it's not, it's not easy because myself and, and colleagues in that department, none of us really had a water or wastewater background. So the old hands, so to speak, who'd been there for years and knew their business inside out, you know, were very quick to say, well, what do you know about this? Yeah. And a testament to, to, to many on the team as well. I, I don't know anything, but I tell you what, by the end of this, I, I know everything. And, and that worked very well. And, and we also took a, a trial and error approach to say, I know you disagree with what we're proposing, but let's let's do it on this one site. And, and let's see if it makes a difference. I, you know, I remember conversations around electricity usage in, in, in wastewater treatment works, which is very high. Um, and a lot of it's driven by compliance and, and, and meeting certain um, standards. But, but when we actually dug into it, you know, the, the, the compliance uh, targets were being blown out of the water. Yeah. As a consequence, they were using loads and loads of electricity, but you just dialed down the compliance level, still overachieving yeah. the, the electricity usage um, dropped significantly. And, and we trialed that in, in, in one treatment works and, and it was proved you know, successful. And, and then you, you, you set up a program and roll it out with the director's support to say, well, okay, you've proved your point. So let's, let's, let's. Yeah, it's that proof of concept, isn't it? I, uh, I had a similar experience uh, a couple of, two or three years ago, I was working with one of the, uh, uh, national utility firms, and um, it was it was on an efficiency campaign. It was it was focused around um, making sure that they can deliver large scale infrastructure programs much more efficiently and effectively moving forward. Um, and that they were in exactly the same situation. We 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 sort of termed the uh, uh, the process. They gold plated everything. The client might yeah. have wanted um, you know, X Y Z but they gave them two, three times X, Y, Z, just in case they wanted to develop that, that area in the future. So they future-proofed it. Um, and they, it cost, um, obviously, a lot more than what it would have cost just to give the client what they were looking for. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, but it was that mindset of that, that sort of old utility. Well, I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to do the 
the best I can possibly do. And I'm here to build the infrastructure for the future yeah. uh, and change that mindset to say, well, yeah, absolutely. We build it for the future, but we've got to still build it for what the client's looking for and what the client's prepared to pay for. No, no, I agree. I agree. And, and if I look back and one of the other uh, key things in that was um, involving the guys who actually ran the treatment works. Um, I'm, I'm not taking any credit for this. The, the team that work, worked on this did a brilliant job in actually taking it so far as saying, uh, creating videos where the guys who were ran the plants were on the video saying, you know, this is what we were spending beforehand. We've introduced these changes or I've introduced these changes and now I'm at this level. Um, and, and playing that out to, to the rest of the organization uh, really won over the, the hearts and minds. So, you know, it sort of opened the door to, to suggest other changes, making sure that the change is owned within the business uh, as opposed to being driven by a, a, a program team who in most times meet, meet a, a high level of, of resistance, so to speak. And that, that's probably the key lesson I would take from, from, from that particular program is ensuring that you transfer ownership of, of the particular program yeah. to the people that are in the, in the line, so to speak, is probably the key aspect of it. It goes back to what we talked about earlier, doesn't it? They've become the change agents. You know, that that it's, it's yes. actually, yeah, I know that person. And if they believe it, well, you know, I'm, I'm definitely behind it. As opposed to, as you say, a, a program team that don't know the industry, but coming in and doing that challenging review process. They're, they're, there's always a reticence. But if they, if they know the person, they trust the person that's telling them a message that this works, they'll definitely go with it and move things forward. Absolutely. So what what do you see if, if you're taking on a new program? What are the sort of vital steps that you feel you have to have in place, or the the, the building blocks that you have to have in place for a sort of successful business transformation? Well, for me, there there needs to be you know there needs to be a, a you know a clear vision and a, and a you know a really really strong case for change. Um, that needs supported by strong leadership. Um, I, and I, I use the word aligned leadership because um, there's no point one director having a great idea if the rest of the the, the management team are, are, are totally against it. So, uh, you know, an awful lot of that work, that prep work in terms of defining what it is um, and ensuring you, you, there is alignment there and, and real buy-in from, from the, the senior management team is probably the, the first and, and, and most critical step. And all too um, often, that's that's not ignored. People try to go through that process too quickly. I find, and, and yes. sometimes it's far better just to step back and 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 ensure that you do everything that you possibly can to get everyone aligned, and then move forward, um, because you're in a much stronger. It's, it's like you've got the foundations in place for success. Then, haven't you? Yeah, and from my experience in in, in the sort of public sector arena, we're, you know, we're helped by the fact that there is a. You know, a process to go through in terms of strategic outline cases and down into a final business case, etc. That helps take you through that journey and and with with proper um, internal and external scrutiny, you ought to to end up with a very strong evidence based business case that supports the investment. Once you get to that stage, it's it's all about planning and and the key aspects of this that that you know are often overlooked is is resource particularly internal resource, um, these transformations are difficult and you need the best people in the organization to be part of that team. They need to be dedicated and, and backfilled as opposed to being 
put in a position where they're trying to do their day job and, and help in a program capacity at the same time. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I think also as you move forward, that, that strong leadership needs to be there throughout. You know, all too often you, you, you find a senior manager, you know, okay, that business case is approved, so the job's done. Yeah, Absolutely, it's not done. You need to be out leading this right front and centre. What's the, the 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 phrase tone from the top um, throughout? Uh, you know, to ensure that the rest of the organisation sees that you are committed to this, and and therefore you have a better chance of of having them committed yeah. to the process as well. They've got to own that business case, haven't they? I think where where, where programmes tend to fail is when a business case has been signed off, but the senior team don't take ownership of delivering yeah. that business case. They almost abdicate the responsibility onto the programme team. That's right. And um, and that's and that's that is a recipe for disaster. It is, and it, it just makes it so much more challenging because when you go out to the rest of the organisation, if you don't have that senior leadership backup and, and visibility, yeah. then you run your head against a brick wall. And especially when um, you, you're trying to extract people that you need into the program team. Yes, and yeah. getting them backfilled. If the, if you don't have that sort of uh, that leadership driving and supported and, and taking responsibility for it. The uh, the middle managers hold on to the uh, hold on to the good people naturally, yes. uh, and, yeah. and and that's all, I find that's always been a challenge of just extracting the right people at the right time. Yep, yeah. no, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, resourcing is probably key. Um, I also think there's a, an awful lot of work needs done in terms of say call it change impact assessment. So we need to to clearly work out the impact of this program on all of the stakeholders or, or groups of employees in particular customers etc and have a very detailed change management plan that that goes alongside any sort of technology aspect to it but without that change management then yes you might be replacing a legacy system but you're not actually changing the goalposts so to speak you're not transforming the organization and and, and how it works using the sports analogy you're just changing the color of the kit aren't you Yes. Uh, if, if you're not, if you've not changed the players, or if you've not changed the tactics, you, you're going to still get the same results. You oh, might, absolutely. You might, you might, it might look and, and 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 feel a bit better because you've got nice new kit on and different colours, but fundamentally the results won't change. No, no. I mean, you might, you, you'll probably see a, a a slight improvement in in, in efficiency because the, the newer technology is just better at doing its job. But if you're still running that same. HR process or procurement process uh, with with all the steps and handoffs and et cetera, et cetera, then actually, are you any, are you really any better off? And, uh, you know, it's a chronic waste of, of money in many respects. Yeah. yeah. And, and in your experience, um, <clears throat> technology driven programs, do you feel that that sort of change impact assessment is seen to be a critical part of the process or do you, in my perception, my experience, then especially on technology-driven transformation programs, it's often seen as something that we'll do later, uh, you know, not an integral part of the program. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, you know, I, I remember on, on one of the, 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 the clients I worked with, it was very much, can you please do the change management with a small c? And, I, and I'm going, what? You know, uh, very much relegated to just do what you need to do to get this over the line. I, but be sure to get the technology in by the right. I can understand to an extent. I, I, you know, I don't mind that if it's actually a, a deliberate strategy. 
I had a conversation with with another client this week where they that their strategy is very deliberate. That, that they are a forty year family owned business. All the employees have been there from from leaving school. Uh, that they, they are working on really really old technology, and, and the transformation challenge is 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 huge. But to 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 say to that organisation, right, we're going to change your technology and, and we're going to transform the way you work and 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 change all of the processes would just kill it. Yeah. So uh, you know, ver- you know, in this case, that the strategy is very deliberate. We'll replace the technology and then we'll start to address all the other aspects uh, as part of a you know three to five year program, and that's absolutely fine. I can completely understand that because there is a a risk profile to these to these programs that right. needs to be borne in mind. But what what I don't like to see is can you just get the technology in and and, and do some training? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, that the, the family business there has a strategy that you've they've worked through that and they understand that process that it is a three to five year transition that it is you know there will be um, there'll be periods where they're not going to get the maximum value from their investments yes. because they've, they've they've looked at it from from end to end and they understand it all too often um, I find that it's almost let's get the icon on the screen um, and give someone a bit of training. And maybe maybe a couple of weeks support post go live support, yeah, and then they'll be okay, won't they? Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's those that <coughs> they that they the business cases never delivered uh, because they no no no. But um, you'd be straight back straight back to a spreadsheet to do all the work, and then you know which is defeats the whole purpose. To be honest with you. So if you uh, had to sort of pull all your experience together and 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 leave just one takeaway for people, what what would that one takeaway be? You need to have fun. Uh, it's a strange thing to say in, in, in many respects, but th- th- these programs are very, really hard work. Um, and there are obviously certain uh, building blocks that you need to put in place for it to be successful. But I think you've got to, to, to acknowledge that it's hard work. And, 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 you know, in 99% of the time, people will work to the best of their ability to make it happen. Uh, you know, I, I think if you... You sort of have a, an ethos where you're celebrating success. Um, it, it and it, you know it engenders much more of a a, a, a one team approach. Yeah. And 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 hugely increases your your chance of success. Well, great. Well, thank you very much, you. And that was uh, that was really good and really enjoyable. No problem at all. And uh, look forward to seeing you very soon. All right. Cheers, Tony. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. If you want to join Ewan and share your experience, please do get in touch. Also, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to the pod via your app and leave a comment or two. It's always great to get your feedback. This is the last episode of 2020. When we started the podcast back at the start of the year, little did we know how the year would turn out. Have a great Christmas and I look forward to sharing other business transformation journeys with you in 2021. All the best.